0: Hi, welcome to episode 650 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and my 650th episode party was amazing. The food, the alcohol, the music, the people. Okay, there were no people, but it was still amazing. Every week on the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue one and going all the way to the final issue, or until Disney issues a cease and desist order. On this episode, it's Fantastic Four, volume six, number 15. Released in October 2019, Point of Origin Part 2, The Invasion. Written by Dan Slott and art by Paco Medina and Robert Quinn. The issue begins with the appearance of a new super team from the planet Spire. It's The Unparalleled. Yes, that's their name, The Unparalleled. And when it comes to stupid team names, that one is unparalleled. We've got members, Elementa, I guess she controls elements like Crystal does, Belter, he makes her pants stay up, Citadel, which is like a fortress or stronghold, so I guess he's like a big strong dude, Sky. I guess that person flies, Kor, and Kalo, I have no idea what those characters will be. And one called Sidearm. But aren't all our arms on our sides? We learned that they got their powers from cosmic rays. You know, I was exposed to cosmic rays once, and all I got was crabs. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So anyway, this story starts at a place on the planet Spire called the Tower of Oversight, where a man called the Overseer oversees... A sacred ritual. These young people look they look through something called the Great Eye, and it leads them to their one true intended. A future lover, I suppose? A future spouse? Now that's what I call speed dating. But suddenly the overseer, who appears to be blind, I guess not I guess his name is ironic, he senses danger and he says he must summon. The Unparalleled. First he calls Kor and Kayla. We've learned that they are named after the planet's twin suns. They fly around, they store up solar power, they're married, they're both women. I don't know if they're gay or not. Maybe the Great Eye put them together and they were like, well okay, we weren't lesbians but... but if the Great Eye says so. They go chasing after and stopping a Tachyon train that's out of control. Somewhere else, there's a wedding that gets interrupted by an explosion. And Citadel, who is a giant man, catches the fallen couple. Sky catches someone, too. Sky can fly. I nailed one, correctly. One out of seven. Sidearm is there, too. He's got an arm that grows into a big shield. Oh, what a wonderful power. I'd rather be Ant-Man. Sidearm says, this must be another terrorist attack. And the Overseer communicates back to him that he must be on the lookout for more. The final two members of the team, Elementa, who controls the water, I guess I was close. Do I get half a point? And Belter, still not sure what Belter does. Karaoke? They find two Munster guys putting graffiti on a statue. They stop it, clean up the graffiti, how's that for service? And they're called back to the Hall of Heroes which is my favorite sandwich joint, by the way. So later, all seven of them have assembled in front of the Hall of Heroes, which suspiciously does look like the Hall of Justice. Do they get Super Friends reruns on this world? They stand there while crowds of people cheer them on. Are they getting a bigger crowd than the FF last issue? Later, they're sitting around a big round table when an alarm goes off, and they say it's not just an alarm, it is THE alarm. They say this is their greatest threat. One of them thought it was a myth, and they all seem very concerned. Let me guess. They've been nominated for Golden Globes, and Ricky Gervais is hosting. Oh, they should be nervous. The Overseer says that this is not a drill. The alien invaders are coming, and we see a, a ship arriving, flying through the atmosphere of the planet. Someone says the prophecy is coming true. So they fly over, they fly up, and they meet the ship. Sidearm turns one of his arms into this long blade, slicing through the whole of the ship and surprise, surprise, guess who's inside. Well, it ain't Moon Knight, it's the Fantastic Four. Sidearm calls them evil alien scum. The FF all speak, but to the unparalleled, they can't understand what they're saying. Of course, the FF start fighting back. And as these fights happen, it's told from the point of view of the unparalleled. Even going so far as to have the FF's dialogue appear as gibberish, we have no idea what they're saying. Probably the same old litany of tired old catchphrases like, It's clobberin' time, flame on, and "Bing ring, do your thing. Johnny flies out and Elementa, the water lady, des- decides to deal with him and she says, He's mine and mine alone actually i can't tell if she wants to fight him or have sex with him meanwhile the rocket with the rest of the team crashes into a river or lake or something and the ff come climbing out onlookers are freaked out when they see the thing screaming that it's a rock monster and they all run away so anyway the unparalleled go over to the thing and citadel the big guy attacks him and then in one panel Ben is clearly saying it's clobbering time as he socks Citadel in the face. Elementa hits Sue with a bunch of water. I'm not sure why Sue doesn't put up her force field. And then he tries to drown her by putting water around her head. And the two solar-powered ladies shoot fireballs at Reed. Meanwhile, with Johnny and Sky, she says, You're holding back, aren't you? I know why. You feel like you know me. And then she screams, and the sound knocks Johnny out. He flames off, and she catches him. And then she cryptically says, you do. Back with Citadel, he kicks Ben so hard, he goes flying over a nearby wall. And one of the guys says, he's Lowtown's problem now, as Ben falls into what appears to be a bottomless pit. Next, Reed and Sue are on the ground. Doesn't say how she got away from that water guy trying to drown her. And Reed is fumbling with his universal translator. The solar-powered ladies aim uh, their arms at Reed and tell him to stop touching that device. But he touches it anyway, and it starts to work. And for the first time, halfway through the issue, we start to hear, or Reed, what Reed is saying. Reed gives them the classic line, Take me to your leader. And the woman says they will take him to the Overseer. Sky comes in carrying Johnny, saying, I know exactly where to take him. Huh, sounds naughty. Later, Reed and Sue are taken before the Overseer, who assures them that Ben and Johnny are safe. He also tells them that he's realized that neither of them are a danger to Spire, the world, and he apologizes and he proceeds to have the unparalleled manacles on their arms. Reed and Sue are not happy, and the unparalleled are shocked that Reed and Sue are not happy. The Overseer tells them they get to stay and be part of Spire's grand design, a first for any off-worlder. Reed gives a sarcastic, thank you, it's quite the honor. And then the Overseer tells them they're staying and they are never going home. Next, we see Ben in a crater on the street down at the bottom of that pit in Lowtown. He calls it a smelly, run-down dump, and that if he wanted to be in a place like that, he would have stayed on Yancy Street. What a weird joke for him to make, by the way, now that he actually does live on Yancy Street. Ben gets surrounded by a bunch of Lowtown creatures, all saying things like, kill him, Tear off his head and rip him apart. He seems to understand what they're saying, even though I don't think he turned on his Universal Translator. Nonetheless, Reed turned them on for all four people at the same time. Finally, the issue ends with Johnny in Sky's bed. I knew it. What happened to Johnny when he was unconscious? Skye flies in and she's like, hey, hey, hey! It's Sky the Unparalleled. Johnny notices the manacles on his arm and asks her what's going on, and she reveals how she knows him. When she was having that ceremony, where she looks through the grid to see what her future soulmate is, she saw Johnny. So while I was only joking earlier, I was right! She does want to have sex with him, and more. And with that, the issue is to be continued. And now here's a few things I liked about this issue and a few things I didn't like about this issue. Number one, things I liked. Introducing seven new characters all at once can be difficult, but I think Slot did a good job here spacing out their introductions one page at a time, showing a little bit of who they are. With the exception of Belter, I think I got a pretty good idea of who these people are. Number two, I'm a sucker for these kinds of uh, FF stories. They're more like Star Trek stories. The FF travels to some strange planet, or Strange Dimension, weird shit ensues. It usually makes for a fun story. Number three, I'm enjoying the artwork of Paco Medina. I would say he's my favorite artist on the book in a very long time, at least since the Jonathan Hickman run like 10 years ago. So here's two things I didn't like about the issue. Number one, them taking half the issue before we can read what the FF are saying after a few pages of the story, I was like, okay, we get it. They're speaking a different language. Number two, this is where the Fantastic Four were intending to travel all the way back in issue one? I don't think so. Eh, that's all I got. I think I'll give it a three on a scale of one to four. And now. Hi, welcome to episode 650, part 2 of the Fantastic Forecast. On every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of Future Foundation, starting with issue 1 and going all the way until issue 5. On this episode, it's Future Foundation 3, released in October 2019. Story by Jeremy Whitley, no scripter. And pencils by Will Robson. On the first page of this story, we get a reminder of who this Ricky Barnes is, a female Bucky. Turns out, back in the Heroes Reborn days, where the FF, the Avengers, and Captain America were sent to an alternate universe by Franklin Richards, Ricky Barnes was in that universe. So yeah, this is a very smart decision to bring back a character from one of the most creatively reviled series of all time. Ugh. The Rob Liefeld issues of Captain America, of the Heroes Reborn era, were atrocious. Someone just read the Heroes Reborn omnibus that had gone, recently gone on sale when this was written and they were like, Oh, I'm going to use Nikki Barnes. This goes on to say that after the heroes returned to their own world, Nikki stayed behind and started a team called the Young Allies. And the world became known as Counter-Earth. And then later, Nikki was hit by a sniper's bullet and she died? Yeah, she died. And then next, oh my lord, this makes no sense. There's something about Franklin creating another world to hide from Onslaught, the villain. And there he found Nikki Barnes, who sacrificed herself to save Franklin. And then Nikki woke up again in the Philadelphia of Franklin's world. She changed her identity. Identity to Nomad, she started a team again, but was killed by Onslaught. And then Franklin and Molecule Man created another universe, and this time Nikki Barnes popped up in Philadelphia, a small town in North Dakota. And let me guess, she died of boredom. This is like some old western town, where we learn that she had been born there, her parents uh, drowned or died, and <laughs> as an orphan she was raised by the Sheriff. Oh, so much backstory. Do we need all this information about Nikki Barnes? Who cares? And then we learn that the sheriff carried a shield, and his name was Sheriff Steve Rogers. And then they're riding on horses, and then Ricky sees an image in the sky of what I think is the griever lady from the early issues of Slot's FF run, and she's, like, tearing a hole in the sky... And then she's fighting with Captain America in World War II? And there's something about her falling in love with a Valkyrie and fighting alongside Daniel Cage? The Captain America of the future? Oh, I'm so confused, really. And then the sequence ends with uh, Ricky waking up from a bad dream. Ugh, I wish I could wake up from a bad dream, but Marvel really did publish this crap. So back in the present. Ricky is about to shoot the evil Reed Richards because he killed her at some point. The floating head, Moloid, shouts out that the ship is about to be overrun with nanobots. I'm thinking about how much I'd rather be doing a Young Blood podcast. Alex calls Ricky a zombie and talks her out of killing the evil Reed. Ricky puts down her gun and says, He killed me and the woman I loved. Ugh. Oh. They need to get rid of all these crappy lame characters in this book. Moloid, moloids, clones, fish people, and just keep the lesbians. It'd be a much better book. So the security robots attack the ship, and most of the people start fighting them. Nikki is ordered by Alex to take Julie to the infirmary. Now, how is she supposed to know where that is? Evil Reed tells one of his men, at the first chance he gets, to take Nikki's head off. Nikki somehow finds the infirmary, puts Julie into one of the medical beds, figures out how to turn it on, and starts to scan her injuries. They work on her using laser surgery. Once again, some amazing technology invented by the so-called good Reed Richards that he does not share with the world. And the medical machine even liquidates Julie's outfit, leaving her nude. And so Nikki turns around... And she doesn't want to watch. I guess to look at someone's naked body while they're in an advanced medical machine that takes off their clothes so it can perform highly technical laser surgery would be a form of sexual assault. So outside the rest of the Future Foundation and Evil Reed's group are fighting all those security robots, the Evil Reed crew are having way too much fun, making the Future Foundation members kind of nervous. In the cockpit, Yandu is having a hard time taking off the ship So Evil Reed's lizard friend is nagging him and insulting his pilot skills. And then he pushes Yondu out of the way and says that he'll fly it himself. Yondu, for some reason, has a big smile on his face and he says, Good idea. Huh, why is he so happy? Back outside with the fighting, Alex says he's going to help Evil Reed get on board the ship. But Reed is like, If you're thinking of betraying me, know that I shall destroy everything that you hold dear. Alex says how are you Reed Richards back in the infirmary Nikki or is it Ricky ah okay it's Ricky actually it's Ricky I probably called her Nikki a bunch of times Ricky leaves Julie locks the door and heads outside to join the fighting from the back of the ship along with Phyllis one of Reed's monster friends so Alex arrives at the ship with evil Reed and the rest of the crew The tiny robots merge into a giant hand. Anomi pulls out a Liefeldian-sized gun and fires, blowing away many of the robots and leaving Bentley impressed. Or horny or something. So they escape and the ship gets out of the atmosphere, back in the cockpit, the lizard guy still berating Yondu for being a bad pilot and a terrible warrior. And Yondu is like, yeah, yeah, I'm a real worthless coward. You know, not like you. You're a big deal. The lizard guy has his back to Yandu, and he continues to fluff the lizard guy's ego. Yandu's head turns around, like all the way around, exorcist style, and then he starts to look evil, and he sprouts these big leathery wings. As this happens, the lizard guy is talking about how much he hates scrolls and he likes to kill scrolls. Let me guess. This Yandu ain't Yandu, but he's an angry scroll. He asks Lizard Guy, "Does your race believe in an afterlife?" Oh, I guess I should say, "Does your race believe in an afterlife?" And then a big green claw reaches out and grabs Lizard Man by the neck. And then we see how Yandu, Yandu really is a scroll. And guess which one? Why, it's Liza the scroll, Johnny Storm's ex-wife. Holy shit! Oh, you gotta hand it to them. I didn't see that coming. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good cliffhanger, I must say. Terrible, terrible issue, but great cliffhanger ending. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually curious to see what happens next issue. So that's the end of this episode. If you have any questions about Lysa the Scroll, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download all the episodes at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Tell all of your friends that I'm crazy and drive you mad that I'm such a stalker, a watcher, a psychopath.